0: Welcome to All in Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by InsideTexas.com beat writer Joe Cook. Uh, Joe, good week. Good morning to you. Uh, how are you doing this Monday?
1: I'm good. Uh, ready to, to get back at it here in the new year after, uh, you know, kind of closed out the season uh, on the 30th and with a, with a loss, unfortunately, for the Longhorns to a pretty well-coached, well-talented uh, Washington team. But, you know, ready to, uh, you know, it's time to start looking ahead almost. Uh,
0: hey, Joe, I got I to gotta go ahead and hit you there because you you went straight to the point. And I thought a good topic for us today uh, to discuss with Texas fans would be the Alamo Bowl post-game press conference and your thoughts on what you heard from Steve Sarkeesian, the players, as well as what you heard from uh, Washington and and their side of the story and what they felt they saw in the Longhorns. But let's start with Steve Sarkeesian and, and his crew and, and what you heard there.
1: Yeah, um, you know, when, whenever you get to these types of moments, uh, for the, you know, at the end of a season, especially when you end it with a loss, um, you know, a lot of it is very reflective. Uh, not a whole, you know, there's plenty, there's plenty talk about the game, uh, but there's some, you know, looking back at the whole season. Um, of course, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, who else was up there, Quinn Ewers, Keandre Coburn, Anthony Cook, disappointed in the outcome, obviously. And, and they spoke a little bit about that, uh, but they also look back on the, on the season that they had. And uh, we're very, you know, they thought that they had things trending in the right direction. Steve Sarkeesian said that. Uh, Quinn Ewers said that. Keandre Coburn, who is, you know, obviously he's he's accepted an invite to play, I think, in one of the East-West Shrine Bowls. And, uh, you know, Anthony Cook, uh, I think, also, um, you know, has a year left, but probably exhausted his eligibility. Uh, in his mind, uh, you know, they they looked back and said, you know, we saw, we've seen a lot of progress under Steve Sarkisian. Um, and Sark pointed that out, too. Uh, trying to think about the game specifically, there was a lot of praise uh, for for Michael Penix. I didn't get a chance to listen real closely to Washington's because by that point, it was, I think it was like 1230 in the morning, and I just wanted to get back to the hotel after I got my stuff done. So I didn't pay too much attention to Huskies, unfortunately. But one thing that stood out to me um, and it, it is what Quinn Ewers had to say and that's that he realizes that in addition to all the other aspects of his game that he needs to to uh improve he knows that this team's losing Bijon Robinson and Roshan Johnson and DeMarvin Overshone and probably a, a host of other really experienced players so he's got to be the guy to to step up and take a little bit more of a leadership role uh for the you know for the team next year and that'll be a an ad- adjustment for him. He's always and he even mentioned this himself. He's always a lead by example type guy. I think that goes back to his days at South Lake. Not the biggest, you know, biggest personality, I guess on the field, off the field, in the locker room, but he said he's got to work on that. He said he has to improve that and um I, if anything Quinn Ewers has been very self-aware, I feel like about his, you know, his pluses, his minuses and what he needs to work on. You know, he talked about how he needed to work on at least before this post game press conference. Work on his footwork, work on mechanics, work on fundamentals. Aside for that one fourth down throw to Xavier Worthy, Xavier Worthy's feet looks like everything was in pretty good shape uh, for that game. Um, you know, he's still a freshman. There's going to be some improvements, but he started to look a little bit more like the player uh, so highly rated and regarded out of high school. Now he's got to step up because when you're that type of player there are a lot of expectations levied on you. Um, you know, you, you are you're more than likely going to become the face of whatever team you join if you're a, you know, top two or three prospect in the country. Uh, you know, you look at another quarterback with a high rating, you know, Trevor Lawrence. He became the face of Clemson. It took some time, but he f- became the face of Clemson. Different circumstances happened at Georgia. Justin Fields became the face of Ohio State. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams is now the face of USC, and rightfully so. So, there's a lot of expectations, and he realized that some of that is it has to do with off-field stuff, and that's an area where he needs improving, um, in addition to all his other, you know, on-field aspects. Yeah, it's very interesting to me in listening to those uh, press
0: conferences uh, that uh, he spoke almost exclusively to his on-field leadership role needing to improve and off-field leadership role. He did not mention his dropbacks or his pass sets or, uh, you know, arm motion or any of that stuff. He talked exclusively about becoming a better leader. And I thought that was uh, uh, somewhat revealing uh, because if you think about it, uh, to your point, Texas is losing not only Bijan, but Roshan really was the heartbeat of the team. Guys like Keandre Coburn are moving on, Mora Ojomo, uh, Anthony Cook, as you mentioned. I think he's playing the Hula Bowl. Uh, There are a number of guys. Uh, that are moving on, that have played and been around Texas football for a while, this may be the ushering in of really the true Steve Sarkeesian era. Because now almost exclusively all of the guys, uh, with the exception of a few seniors to be, like uh, Jaron Thompson, uh, like Jalen Ford, will have been uh, recruited by Steve Sarkeesian, Uh, even if it was as a transition class. Uh, per se. So, uh, guys like JT Sanders are going to be expected to step up. Kelvin Banks, you hope takes on a bigger, uh, voice role on the team, uh, as well as, uh, you know, you look around and, and you think maybe a guy like Jade Barron can take a bigger role. Um, I, I feel like Texas right now is, is in a scenario where it, this is this next year it's going to be about leadership and where they go from this eight and five. It's one thing to just, um, let it happen to you. It's next, it's something else to take that next step. And that's that's what we're gonna see this offseason. As it relates to that, and I think an important thing happened over the weekend that I know you and I want to talk about is uh one of the key players for next season has opted to return and announced that uh on Saturday, I believe, uh after the game or Friday after the game. Uh Tavondre Sweat, the defensive tackle out of Huntsville, announced he's returning uh for another season. That's big for Texas because. They should be a plus team on the interior with him again next year. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle.
1: A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the big reasons that the Texas interior defensive linemen were thought to be such a strong unit this year was because of how the depth that allowed Bo Davis to rotate guys at that position. I mean, you had Keandre Coburn, you had Moro Ojemo, you had Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, and then even some other guys like uh, uh, Vernon Broughton and maybe one other. Those guys got plenty of snaps, and so that allowed for all those, you know, big three hundred pound players to to play at full tilt a little bit longer. And they, and the Longhorns needed that, considering how many games their offense didn't hold up their end of the deal, and they ended up being out there for seventy, you know, sometimes eighty, sometimes hundred plays. Uh, Tavondre Sweat, I think, was able to to definitely uh, reap the benefits of that. You know, he had his best year of his career. Um, Has only had like an increasing trajectory going back to his freshman season. 29 tackles, four passes defended, a lot of batting stuff down at the line. Uh, You know, trying to see if what are some of the other stats like tackles for loss. Can't quite see it uh, right now, but you know, that's still a player who is large and in the middle of that defensive line. And uh, those types, that's the type you need when you kind of have this hybrid two, four, five offense that we saw a lot of this year. If you're going to sacrifice a little bit of size on the edge, uh, a little bit for mobility uh, and ability to drop into coverage every now and then, you need, you know, some of the heftier guys. And that's definitely what Tavondre Sweat is. Um, You know, he he got, I think, a handful of starts this year. uh, And it's a player who, you know, you're looking forward to anchoring that defensive line. For the next, you know, next season, as a lot of members of Texas' 2022 class, uh, you know, thinking of Chris Ross, thinking of Aaron Bryant, uh, depends on where they may want to put Bled. Bledsoe. You got Tavondre Sweat, who's been in this program for five years, seen a lot of really experienced and good defensive linemen, and now is one himself. Um, he could, you know, maybe he gets a little bit more uh, playing time this upcoming season, that increases his production a little bit more, but. And I like this system where Texas is just basically rotating defensive tackles at a pretty constant clip. You have to have the talent to do it. We'll see if they have that next year, but they definitely had it this year.
0: Yeah, well, I'm looking at it. Of the top five defensive tackles, three now return with Sweat. Without Sweat, I I think there's a gaping hole there. Uh, With him, though, Byron Murphy and uh, Sweat, as well as Alfred Collins, returned. Vernon Broughton saw sparing time and did not necessarily look good in the in doing so, uh, but only uh, uh, Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojomo now leave. Uh, the other thing I think this gives Texas—I mean, you could you could argue right now the best interior starting two defensive tackles in the league, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. Not necessarily one and two overall, but as a pair, it certainly is formidable. I, I think you add uh, um, Alfred Collins to that mix, and all, all of a sudden you're starting to look like a, a team that's coming on a little bit because we did see some progress from Collins uh, after, uh, uh, later in the season, really where he took over from that role that uh, Vernon Broughton had early on and, and kind of supplanted Broughton in that way. Um, I'm, I'm looking at this, and, uh, you know, we're, we're now in January and the portal uh, opens or is open right now. Uh, the Texas, uh, one of the things that people need to understand is that Portal players have to report to Texas in January if they're going to be part of spring practice. And Joe, you and I had a text thread amongst ourselves uh, last week, or actually um, over the weekend. Uh, January 9th is the first day of classes at Texas. So ideally, a guy like Gavin Holmes, uh, the cornerback out of Wake Forest, will already be on campus and attending classes and getting going. However, the drop dead date, we believe, is not until January 24th or 25th, because that's the last day for a student to enroll for the spring semester. Is that, is that your read on things as well?
1: Yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking about how we were looking at this last year, that makes sense. And, you know, it does remind you that they are still student athletes, despite what else is going on in the sport, but yeah, school starts early at Texas next, next week. uh, It gets back going. Um, and then like you mentioned, it's, I think it's the last day. Yeah. You got, you got to prove enrollment or something on that day. And, you know, it's always been one of those odd dates that, uh, you know, the recruiting world checks all the academic calendars to check out. And that's, that's one of them. Um, uh, but yeah. And, and if not, then I think like you mentioned they'll any player that's not trying to get enrolled by then, you know, they, they obviously see themselves as a summer enrollee, uh, kind of went through that last year with O'Shawn Mathis and that recruitment as he tried to finish his degree at TCU before going elsewhere, um, you know, it, it, you'll you'll either get a flurry of guys, it seems like, uh, guys who are already in, want to make a decision, want to make it, you know, want to find their next place, go through spring ball, or, you know, you could find people who are in no real rush, which I think would be just dis- to their disadvantage and then again, you you still have another portal window after. I guess it's in May. It's right. it basically right after spring ball. So uh, those are kind of the the timelines. You either get in now and are there for spring ball, um, get in a little bit later and can still do spring ball, or you're just waiting uh, until summer workouts start. Well, I would remind people uh, that
0: Isaiah Neor uh, actually enrolled at Texas after school started in january as an example for last year so this is not atypical is what i i think what i'm trying to get at here in the portal process although we do believe that texas could have another portal enrollee or two right on time texas is bringing in it appears jalen catalan the safety from arkansas a guy that would have been a three-year starter uh, at arkansas will is expected to be on texas's campus uh, this coming weekend we'll have to wait and see Uh, exactly when and how that occurs. Uh, One thing I would say to each and every one of you is please check out InsideTexas.com in the interim because uh, as the portal goes, we are going over there. And so there's no way we can uh, do enough video uh, or podcasts uh, to cover the ins and outs of the portal this time of year. It's getting ready to be uh, pretty hot and heavy, especially as these bowl games ended and you might see some new names uh, jump in the portal over the next uh, week or so, or even just the next few days here, really, uh, as we, we go forward. Um, I want to mention one last thing, Joe. Uh, the, the Texas basketball team up in Norman this weekend, uh, I thought that was a big win. Your thoughts on them because I know you are the beat reporter for them as well.
1: Yeah, watch that whole game. Uh, it's you know, Big 12 road wins are tough to come by. Uh, I think Jerry posted on Inside Texas that text that the Longhorns were the only team. Uh, in the Big 12 to win on the road, and that included Baylor going on the road and getting smacked at Iowa State, and uh, Oklahoma State almost trying to steal one in Allen Fieldhouse, but didn't, you know, didn't end up their way, so, um, you know, you saw at the end of that game, there's a lot of talent on this team, there's a lot of veteran experience, and the veteran experience is what really took over that game, I think they scored like 39 points in the second half, and 35 were from... Either Carr, Allen, or uh, Serge Barry Rice. So, uh, great, great win to start things off. Always a great win when you can get one over on your on your rival as well. And Texas has had a lot of success in the Lloyd Noble Center in the past few seasons.
0: Yeah. Hey, Joe, I I, I want to borrow this line uh, because veteran and experience—that seems to be a theme that's running through not just basketball but football and TCU's run. As well as Baylor's a year ago, they had a very uh, veteran, experienced team um, in football. What's it gonna take for Texas to get there in football and be a veteran and experienced team? Uh, are they getting closer? Are they still a year away or, or two years away? Uh, they're gonna have so many young offensive linemen next year. I mean, I, I kind of just wonder where Texas is on that experienced veteran scale as it relates to football, because I think hundred percent, you're correct. Watching them play uh, against Oklahoma, the basketball team. There's no doubt that Sir Jabari Rice, who's a, I think a fifth year senior effective transfer on the line in crunch time mattered. Marcus right. Barr on the road mattered. Uh, Timmy Allen, senior, those things matter in football, in basketball, in all sports. I just wonder where the Texas football program sits in that category right
1: now. Well, I've I've kind of I discussed this even on the inside Texas message boards uh, the other day. You know, part of it has to do with we've seen way too much coaching turnover um, in the past decade. I, I know you. It's just that that's been one of the biggest problems. So obviously, they haven't found the right coaches because that's been the source of the turnover. But I feel like you know, as at least compared to the last. Um, you know, let's say one, two, three, four iterations of the staffs that Strong and then Herman had. This is the one that's most likely to stay consistent and, you know, be around a while that gives players the chance to stay and grow within a certain system and do it at Texas. Uh, We saw a lot of turnover after last season, um, and we've seen a lot of turnover from the 2019 class, which, you know, turns out to be a pretty big dud, so boom, that's your senior class. That should have been your senior class this year and you only had like four guys on the roster. So, you know, something like that happens. You're automatically losing your ability to get experience when you just have a dud of a class where all the guys, you know, seemingly transfer out for one reason or another. A lot of the 2018 guys, they stuck around. Uh 2020, 2021, and 2022, those guys need to stay. Like that's the long and short of it. That's how you get an older roster because yeah, it's great to see guys like Kelvin Banks play when you have a situation like that, where, you know, he's a five star and probably not going to be here for, you know, when he turns 22 or 23, you got to play him. But there's a point to be made that all these players that Gary Patterson recruited to TCU, they did stick around. That's a credit to Sonny Dykes and something he was able to do that Steve Sarkisian didn't. They stayed in pretty similar systems offensively for sure a lot of similarities between what they were doing on offense, uh, under Patterson and, um, I guess Jerry kill. And then also with Garrett Riley defense, they made some switches, but they were able to keep things together and, you know, added transfers, uh, who are coming back home to, to the DFW area. So, um, it's, it's just a, it's a combination of a lot of things you have to, you have to keep things consistent. I feel like at the staff level, So the kids know who they're playing for. They know the system. They don't think, okay, you know, I'm going to go play in a better system elsewhere or one that I I have an idea about. They play at a place they know that's how you get kids to stay. And then you just try to keep, you know, within reason with merit, uh, you keep staffs together that are successful because if not, then you're just, you know, all right, you learn a new thing. All right. Your favorite assistant left. All right. This coordinator you like left. Okay. You don't fit this system anymore. That. That's what's happened too much at Texas over the past 10 years. And I feel like Steve Sarkeesian has a good chance to, to stop that wheel from, from spinning in the mud and, and start to gain some traction. He's still got a lot of work to do in order to get an older team, and he can bring in older players. That's the, always the, the instant you know solution is to bring in older portal players. But uh, I, I feel like making sure staff stay together, keeping a consistent message and even consistent systems – is what really helps. Um, and, and, you know, there's there's different ways to do it, uh, but I feel like that may be the best way for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. I think it speaks highly to what Gary
0: Patterson did at TCU and the talent he collected. They lost, TCU lost two starting defensive ends last year to the portal. Not only O'Shawn Mathis, but they also lost another one, Kari Coleman, to uh, Ole Miss in the portal, yet still had enough talent in the cupboard. Uh, To really do that. Yes, they did get uh, a couple of starters on defense via the portal, but largely speaking, that defensive group uh, that uh, is now in the national championship game was recruited by Patterson uh, and they had the depth to withstand it uh, as well. So, hey, uh, Joe Cook, I appreciate it very much. Uh, Thanks for your time. Beat writer uh, for uh, insidetexas.com. We'll be talking again uh, tomorrow. We have the recruiting breakdown. Justin Wells is going to be on. Uh, talking uh, recruiting portal, uh, what's left, as well as the All-Star Games getting getting going here. Uh, and then we have tomorrow night the live stream at 7 o'clock, where it'll be Jerry, Hamilton, and myself. Uh, for Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching and listening to On Texas Football. Have a good one.